continuing our study through the book of Romans. We'll conclude our study of the fourth chapter this morning. We'll read Romans chapter 4 beginning in verse 13 all the way to the end of the chapter under the heading of Father Abraham had many sons. Father Abraham had many sons from Romans chapter 4. Let's give our attention now to the reading of God's Word, beginning in verse 13 of Romans 4. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are the heirs of faith, heirs, excuse me, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all its offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord and who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. May we receive it with a believing heart. Well, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a song often sung in children's Sunday school or vacation Bible school that goes like this, Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Maybe you've heard children sing this song. Often they do it in front of the congregation, and they're supposed to scream something about their left arm, their right arm, their left leg, their right leg. They're supposed to turn around and sit down. The purpose of the exercise, of course, is to get all the energy out of the children as much as we can. Do you recognize this song? I do. Uh, Growing up in the Methodist church, we sang it. But what you may be surprised about is that this elementary school song is actually sound Bible teaching. It truthfully reflects what the Bible teaches about Father Abraham. So much so, the theologian Michael Byrd said, this children's song is actually a good summary of the passage before us. 
that by faith in Christ, we are not only counted righteous, as it says in verse 23, and as we spoke about a few weeks ago, it's not only that we're given the righteousness, the holiness, and the perfect satisfaction of Christ, but we are actually made part of the family of God. If you have your Bibles in front of you, quickly scan through this passage. And notice how many times it mentions things such as heirs, offspring, descendants, Father Abraham. It's a passage about your family. Now boys and girls, it's not about your earthly family, your mom or your dad or your brothers and your sisters, but that in Jesus Christ, all of us are adopted into a spiritual family. Paul is teaching us that saving faith is not a private affair. When you come to know the Lord, you are not assigned an individual number and that you go to heaven by yourself and you are individually in the presence of Christ. But that in saving faith, God places us into a new family with a perfect heavenly Father. With a wonderful earthly mother, the church. And gracious adopted, or excuse me, and a gracious elder brother and adopted brothers and sisters. Put another way, when you were reborn, when the new birth came to you, you weren't just given new life, but you were given a new family. In Christ, the family of God. The Jews of old were obsessed with being part of the family of Abraham. But here, Paul shows us, just like that children's song teaches us, the children of Abraham are not children by race. We do not become the children of Abraham by obedience to God's law alone. But the children of Abraham are the adopted children of God the Father. The adopted, we are adopted into the family of God. That's our theme this morning. By faith we are children of Abraham. And we will inherit Abraham's blessing. By faith we are children of Abraham and we will inherit Abraham's blessing. I want to show you this in three points here this morning which you can find in your bulletin, the family promise in verses 13 and 16 that we're adopted into the family, verses 17 through 22, and our share in the family's inheritance in verses 23 to 25. That's the family promise adopted into the family and our share of the family's inheritance. Let's look at our first point here, the family promise in verses 13 and 16. If you remember a few weeks ago when we were in the book of Romans, this is a riveting chapter because Paul is using Old Testament examples in order to illustrate our faith. In verses 1 through 5, he speaks about Abraham, who was a great man, but was not justified by his greatness, but by faith. And in verses 6 through 8, he speaks about David, 
who was a bad man. Oh, it was a great king, but who committed great sins, but was saved by grace. But in the remaining portion of Romans chapter 4, he turns again to the example of Father Abraham. And it bears repeating that he makes an incredibly profound point that whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you are male or female, black, white, or brown, smart or slow, anyone can be a child of Abraham by faith. This would have rocked the Roman church mixed with Jews and Gentiles. But I think we as modern people, we don't as much get why this is such a big deal. And I think this is the case because we have not sensed the incredible value of what was promised to Abraham. This is so glorious. This truth is so important. Why the Jews so wanted to be Abraham's children? Because children inherit the possessions of their parents. That what belongs to mom and dad will one day belong to you. Will what was given to Abraham? Look at how Paul phrases it in verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world. That what was to be inherited as a child of Abraham is not just a family inheritance, a farm or a business. It's not just even a nation's inheritance, maybe a prince, soon to be king, but that Abraham was promised the entirety of this world. If you flip back to Genesis 13, God took Abraham out of the land of Ur to the land of Canaan, and He said, all that you can see to the north, all that you can see to the south, to the east and to the west, all of that land is going to be yours. And the Jews ended up inheriting that promised land. But here Paul is saying that the promise of God was so much greater than Canaan. Canaan was just a small slice of God's promise. God's promise to Abraham extended all the way around the globe and encompassed this whole world. I'll admit when I read this, I thought, what is Paul saying? I had never thought of it this way. But think about it with me this morning. What were the promises God made to Abraham? In Genesis 12, did He not promise that all families of the earth would be blessed through Him? In Genesis 15, did He not promise that they would have a son and from that son would come kings who would reign over this earth? The Lord Jesus? And does not, as Abraham leave the land of Ur 
to go to Canaan, doesn't it say in Hebrews 11 that Abram was looking forward to a city, not just Canaan, whose designer and builder was God. That when God took him, He was actually promising him not just a plot of land, not just one son, but He was promising him the inheritance of the world. The more I dug into this, the more I realized how true this is. In fact, it's all throughout the Bible. Psalm 72, verse 17. Isaiah 19, verses 24 and 25. Jeremiah 4, verse 2. Zechariah 8, verse 13. All speak of Abraham's inheritance extending beyond Canaan to the ends of the earth. Why is it so important to be a child of Abraham? Well, just consider how many families have fought over the wealth of nations. How many families have fought over the inheritance of their parents or their family businesses? Why did the Jews want to be the children of Abraham so badly? Why is it so important that we are the children of Abraham? Because God promised that they would inherit everything. That this whole world would be their possession. This is the content, the substance of the family promise. And it, would, and it was all to come through this promised Son. One thing that's interesting about this promise is that there was a time when man was the heir of this world. There was a time when man was the ruler of this world. His name was Adam. But he forfeited his rightful place on the throne of this world for sin. When God promised Abraham a son, he promised the restoration of what was lost in Adam. He promised the restoration of this world. That man would become a righteous ruler again. And that even though the land was cursed, it would be restored. It would be renewed in the promised seed. And that we, one day, in this promised seed, will reign with Him. In fact, Paul elsewhere, in 2 Timothy 2, Verses 11 and 13 says this, if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. It's an inheritance in the King. The promise that God gave to Abraham is that in Christ, He would reign over this world. Now before we move on from verse 13, I want you to notice that word heir, which is so important. If someone is an heir, it refers to their title as children. 
that if you are an heir, you have a right to the good things of your father and your mother. An heir does not need to knock on the door of his family home and request permission to come in. Boys and girls, you don't have to say, excuse me, Mrs. Mom and Dad, can I get a beverage? Can I sleep in my bed tonight? No, an heir doesn't need to earn his place in the family. An heir is entitled to his place in the family. And so the Bible says that when we are heirs to the family, when the Bible says we are heirs to the family promises of Abraham, and as heirs we are entitled to his nation. We are entitled to his covenant, entitled to his blessings, entitled to the whole world as our legal right. How do we become heirs of Abraham? What does it mean to be an heir of Abraham? Well, Paul is making a very profound distinction here. Because the Jews always thought that to be an heir of Abraham meant you must be circumcised. You must be a Jew. But here he is saying that to be an heir of Abraham, it cannot be earned. It cannot be earned. Look what Paul says. The promise did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham received this promise 430 years before the law was given on Mount Sinai. It wasn't given through the law. It was given through the righteousness of faith. The second thing Paul says is that to be an heir of Abraham is not, fit, is not upon being a physical descendant of Abraham. If you look at verse 15, it says, For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That because of our sinful nature, it doesn't matter if we are a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if we're circumcised or baptized. That when we stand before the law, our mouths are stopped. Our sinful nature, it doesn't matter what we do to the external, alienates us from God. And Paul makes an important distinction here. That the law was not given to save. The law was given to show us our transgressions. The promise cannot be earned. The promise is not, does not rest upon hitting the genetic lottery and being born a Jew. The promise, says the Apostle Paul, depends upon God's grace. And if it depends on God's grace, it can be guaranteed. You're not going to lose this promise. It depends on grace. Congregation, a word of application here this morning. You may feel 
that there are times that, that you, as you are living in this world that you are just a stranger. That you feel alienated from the culture and the life of this world. But there is some beauty in this promise given to Abraham for you and I today. That all the evil and all the wickedness that we see in this life and that so trips us up will be removed and it will be restored in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are heirs not of an imperfect world or an imperfect promise, but we are heirs of a perfect world to come in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where there will be no more sickness, no more sin, no more devil. In just a few moments we'll look at the life of Abraham, but isn't this what he looked for? A world where there was no more infertility, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sin. When we're adopted into the family of God, this is our promise. That's our second point this morning, that we need to be adopted into the family. So when Paul says in verse 16 that Abraham is the father of us all, he is saying that we are members of the family. That whatever our social status, whatever our ethnicity is, whatever our age, our sex, we are part of the family of God. There is something that ties us together. So that the Christian minimum wage hotel maid is more your sister than your next door neighbor who is in the same social class but doesn't confess Christ. The black cashier at Burger King who loves Jesus is closer to you than your friends who don't. The tie that binds us together is that we are members of the family of God. That Abraham is the father of us all. But the great question is, is how is Abraham the father of white Anglo-Saxon Protestants in Grand Rapids? How can Abraham be the father of Hispanics? Of Asians? Of Cambodians? This is the question the Jews would have been asking of Paul. How is, father, how is Abraham the father of these Roman Gentiles? And to illustrate this, he once again looks at the example of Abraham. He quotes Genesis 17, verse 5, he says, which says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Think back with me, if you will, to Genesis 17 this morning, when this promise was given, and how Abraham was 75 years old, and Sarah 65, and they were childless. Paul even gives commentary to Genesis 17 in uh, verse 17, when he speaks of their reproductive powers as dead. 
They were well past the age of childbearing. But God still said to him, I will make you the father of many nations. See, there's great irony here. Abraham's name means exalted father. Or Abram, I should say, means exalted father. Even though he had no children. But God doubled down on the promise and named him Abraham, which means father of a multitude of people. And just 11 verses later in Genesis 17, verse 16, God promised that He would have a son, an heir by Sarah. And indeed, from that son would come kings. In this, Paul says, Abraham believed even hoping against hope. He had no reason to believe the promise. It was nonsensical according to the world. It defied all calculations, every plausible prediction to trust in God, yet still Abram had faith. He trusted, he lived in the hope that he would be the father of many nations. Now, faith is not believing in magic. Abraham isn't wishing upon a star here or rubbing his rabbit's foot. Especially for our young people who are here this morning, faith is not ignoring the realities of life and being dumb. But faith is when we look at the reality of this world and the promises of God and trust in Him. That's what Paul is saying. Look at verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in faith as he gave God glory. You see, it may be puzzling for us to read that his faith didn't weaken because it did seem to waver, didn't it? Lest we forget that twice he abandoned his wife. He had a child with Hagar. He and Sarah both laughed when God gave His promise. He certainly failed. But the point Paul is making is not that Abraham never failed. But that despite his failures, and despite considering his century-old body Despite the baggy skin, the wasting away of muscles, the menopause that his wife has gone through, and being as good as dead, reproductively speaking, despite it all, he trusted in God. 
Paul says that's how you become part of the family. You consider the world. Consider what it has to offer. And you trust in the promises of God. Abraham is a wonderful example of why God adopts His children when by faith they trust in Him. Abraham was adopted not because he was successful. Abraham was adopted not because he had some great mighty faith in which he could ascend to heaven, but because he looked to the God who was able to save I want to address our young people here for a moment, especially those who have yet to profess faith. I want you to notice that Abraham had to move from belonging to believing. There is a trap we can fall into where we equate, I belong to the church, therefore I believe. And therefore I'm adopted because I'm physically present. But Paul says those are not the same things. Remember the story of the prodigal son. There was the one who went out, but there was the one who stayed. The older brother who belonged to the household and therefore said because I'm here and doing everything I'm supposed to do, therefore I've got it good. I'm in with the Father. But we must move from belonging to the household of faith to believing in the faith that God has given. The content of the faith. Trusting in that promise that we will be the heirs of the world in Christ. My friends, I call you not only to belong, not just to sit in the pew, but to believe, like Abraham, to trust in the Messiah to come. Because God is able. This is such a wonderful example in the person of Abraham because even as Christians in 2023, we are a lot like Abraham. Our circumstances in life seemingly contradict the promises of God. John Calvin puts it this way, God promises us immortality and we are surrounded by mortality and corruption. He declares us just, but we are covered with sin. And he says that all of this tries to prevent us from believing that God's promise is true. Much like Abraham. But I want you to notice in a passage that is in many ways celebrating Abraham's faith. That when Paul is talking, he's not saying that Abraham's faith was strong enough. But he says that the object of his faith, who he trusted in, was strong enough. Abram's faith wasn't something inward, looking into himself, but he was looking upwards 
to a promise keeper. Verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what He promised. In other words, Abraham was the first child of the adopted family of God not because he earned it, not because he had great faith, but because he had faith in the God who was able. Here's Paul's point. Before he was circumcised, before the law, even while he struggled with sin, Abram had a seat at God's table. He had a room in God's house. He was the heir to the promises in Christ. Well, before we conclude and look at our third point, I just want to give you one word of application, my friends. What do we do when we feel the tension between the world and the promises of God? I want you, I really want to bring this to the forefront of your minds. Notice that Abraham did not ignore the facts. Faith is not ignoring the argument. But he considered them. He weighed them. And he looked to God in trust. Authentic faith is not sticking our heads in the sand. But authentic faith considers and ultimately puts its hope and its trust in the sovereign power of God. Faith looks to God's promises and trusts. And faith is one of the greatest tools to help us negotiate life's challenges. That when we have marital troubles and trouble with our children and friends and work and church, these things can drive us to despair. But faith is what looks to God's power as the solution to life's uncertainties. And so pray for faith. Pray for the building up of faith. This is what Jesus is doing in heaven right now. Praying for our faith. Children, pray for your parents' faith. Parents, pray for your children's faith. Faith is trusting, a wholehearted trust in the Lord. And so do you know this morning that you have a share in the promises of God? Romans 4, having looked at the example of Abraham, he tells you, Abraham's story is your story. It's our story. Verse 23, it was counted to him, the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Friends, we're a lot like Abraham. We have been called from the world, we've been given the promises of God, but sometimes we do doubt. Sometimes we do capitulate to the world. We do struggle with sin. But by faith in the God who is able, Abraham received that promise. By by faith, God gave Sarah a child when she was 90 years old. By faith, 
Abraham's children became a multitude of nations. By faith, they conquered the promised land. By faith, he died in the hope that God would receive him. By faith, Abraham now lives in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And by faith, he will inherit this whole world. And Abraham, excuse me, and Paul says, You have a share in those promises. It was not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Here is the principle Abraham believed the promise and so inherited great blessing. We do the same by believing and trusting in the death and the resurrection of Christ. We inherit great blessings in the death and the resurrection of Christ. It was written for ours also that it will be counted to us who believe in Him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord and who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Paul is making an incredible point here. That all of the promises of Abraham pointed to and were fulfilled in the cross of Christ. The promise of a baby was that Gospel promise to raise up a seed who would crush the head of the serpent. The promise to be God to him and his children was a Gospel promise that he would deal with Abraham's sins and live in communion with him. The promise of the land was the Gospel promise to lead him to heaven. Paul says, all of this is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why Christ went to the cross. To fulfill these promises. To take our trespasses upon Himself. To give us His righteousness that we could be the children of God adopted in our elder brother. So by faith, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them by faith alone. And so are you. When by faith in the promises of God that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ, you trust in Him. You are a child of Abraham. You are His descendant. And therefore the rightful recipient of all His inheritance when you trust in Abram's God. So let's all praise the Lord. We don't need to scream about our arms and sit down. But we do need to praise Him. Because there is peace with God and Christ. We have assurance of His love. We have assurance of His presence as His children. He's not just our God, but He is our loving, heavenly Father. One final word before we conclude.
your earthly family will let you down. Your earthly family will not last forever. Our parents are only here for a short time. When you feel alone, remember that you have brothers and sisters who love you. And a heavenly Father who cares for you. And a church that wants to surround you and envelop you into this family. We are the sons of Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. Let's praise the Lord today. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful God, we do give you thanks that we are the children of Abraham this day. Not because of anything that we have done. We could not earn it. We cannot trust in our being born in the right place, saying or doing the right thing. But Lord, it is all of grace. It is simply a loving and a trusting in that God who called Abraham from this world and gave him the promise of Christ that in Him He would inherit all things. We thank You, Lord, that we are Your children, that You love and care for us. We ask that You would bless this truth unto our hearts. In Christ's name, Amen.